the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible, from America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers, and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we could not know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible, a 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight, the entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of the Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word, Soapy Dollar. Hello, everyone. Glad you're with us tonight. Well, we'll move now from our readings and our consideration of the book of Daniel to the New Testament of the Bible, the book of James, written by the half-brother of Jesus the Messiah. He was a leader in the Jerusalem church. As a young man, did not believe in his brother, did not believe his brother was that Messiah, but he came to be convinced that he was indeed the promised one by the prophets, and he followed his brother then not only as his older half-brother, but as his Lord as his Savior. So we'll be reading the entire book of James. Not many times we get a chance to read an entire book at one sitting, but that's what we're going to do tonight. Before we get to the book of James, though, let's go to the book of Proverbs, our wisdom and worship segment tonight in Proverbs chapter 28 on the Bible. Proverbs 28, 1 through 13. The wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. When there is moral rot within a nation, its government topples easily. But with wise and knowledgeable leaders, there is stability. A poor person who oppresses the poor is like a pounding rain that destroys the crops. To reject the law is to praise the wicked. To obey the law is to fight them. Evil people don't understand justice, but those who follow the Lord understand completely. It is better to be poor and honest than rich and crooked. Young people who obey the law are wise. 
Those who seek out worthless companions bring shame to their parents. A person who makes money by charging interest will lose it. It will end up in the hands of someone who is kind to the poor. The prayers of a person who ignores the law are despised. Those who lead the upright into sin will fall into their own trap, but the honest will inherit good things. Rich people picture themselves as wise, but their real poverty is evident to the poor. When the godly succeed, everyone is glad. When the wicked take charge, people go into hiding. People who cover over their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and forsake them, they will receive mercy. End of reading Proverbs 28, 1 through 13. What if in the morning when I wake up, even before I fill my coffee cup, I said, thank you, thank you. What if I looked at the day in the You're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. And said, thank you, oh I said thank you. What if I looked at my life in a different way, took a little more time to stop and pray, I know it would change all the more. That attitude of gratitude is fundamental to anyone who would approach a relationship with God. That attitude of gratitude, the willingness to acknowledge there is an authority, there is a power beyond ourselves, and to be grateful for the life that he has given us, grateful for the good things that surround us as human beings. This planet was obviously created with us in mind for our existence, for our sustenance, for our happiness and fulfillment, not only our physical provision, but societal relationships, everything created clearly with goodness in mind, with blessing in mind for us. And the very least that we owe to our Creator is to be grateful. Now, we're coming to the book of James tonight. As I said, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He was a leader in the Jerusalem church, and he's writing this letter to first-century Jewish Christians concerning the Gentile communities outside of Palestine. It's probably written somewhere around 49 A.D., prior to the Jerusalem Council held in A.D. 50, and before the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D., the letter expresses James' concern for persecuted Christians who were once part of the Jerusalem church. Jewish Christians had been scattered throughout the Mediterranean world because of persecution, and in their hostile surroundings they were tempted to let intellectual agreement pass for true faith in the living God. This letter can have a rich meaning for us today, too, as we are reminded that genuine faith transforms our lives. It's a very important letter for American Christians. What constitutes real faith in a real relationship with God? Let's listen to the Bible live. James 1, 1 through 5.20. James 1. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is written to Jewish Christians scattered among the nations. Greetings. Dear brothers and sisters, whenever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be strong in character and ready for anything. If you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask Him and He will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. But when you ask Him, be sure that you really expect Him to answer. For a doubtful mind is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. People like that should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. They waver back and forth in everything they do. Christians who are poor should be glad, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should be glad, for God has humbled them. 
They will fade away like a flower in the field. The hot sun rises and dries up the grass. The flower withers, and its beauty fades away. So also wealthy people will fade away with all of their achievements. God blesses the people who patiently endure testing. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love Him. And remember, no one who wants to do wrong should ever say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and He never tempts anyone else either. Temptation comes from the lure of our own evil desires. These evil desires lead to evil actions, and evil actions lead to death. So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God above, who created all heaven's lights. Unlike them, He never changes or casts shifting shadows. In His goodness, He chose to make us His own children by giving us His true word. And we, out of all creation, became His choice possession. Dear brothers and sisters, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Your anger can never make things right in God's sight. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the message God has planted in your hearts, for it is strong enough to save your souls. And remember, it is a message to obey, not just to listen to. If you don't obey, you are only fooling yourself. For if you just listen and don't obey, it is like looking at your face in a mirror but doing nothing to improve your appearance. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are just fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and lasting religion in the sight of God our Father means that we must care for orphans and widows in their troubles and refuse to let the world corrupt us. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. James 2. My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim that you have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people more than others? For instance, suppose someone comes into your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who is poor and dressed in shabby clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor one, you can stand over there or else sit on the floor, well, doesn't this discrimination show that you are guided by wrong motives? Listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom God promised to those who love Him? And yet you insult the poor man. Isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you truly obey our Lord's royal command found in the Scriptures. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you pay special attention to the rich, you are committing a sin, for you are guilty of breaking that law. And the person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as the person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said, Do not commit adultery, also said, Do not murder. So if you murder someone, you have broken the entire law, even if you do not commit adultery. So whenever you speak, or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law of love, the law that set you free. For there will be no mercy for you if you have not been merciful to others. But if you have been merciful, then God's mercy toward you will win out over His judgment against you.
Dear brothers and sisters, what's the use of saying you have faith if you don't prove it by your actions? That kind of faith can't save anyone. Suppose you see a brother or sister who needs food or clothing, and you say, well, goodbye and God bless you. Stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, it isn't enough just to have faith. Faith that doesn't show itself by good deeds is no faith at all. It is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. I say I can't see your faith if you don't have good deeds, but I will show you my faith through my good deeds. Do you still think it's enough just to believe there is one God? Well, even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Fool! When will you ever learn that faith that does not result in good deeds is useless? Don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was declared right with God because of what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, he was trusting God so much that he was willing to do whatever God told him to do. His faith was made complete by what he did, by his actions. And so it happened just as the scriptures say. Abraham believed God, so God declared him to be righteous. He was even called the friend of God. So you see, we are made right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example of this. She was made right with God by her actions, when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without a spirit, so also faith is dead without good deeds. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. James 3 Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged by God with greater strictness. We all make many mistakes, but those who control their tongues can also control themselves in every other way. We can make a large horse turn around and go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go, even though the winds are strong. So also the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. A tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is full of wickedness that can ruin your whole life. It can turn the entire course of your life into a blazing flame of destruction, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is an uncontrollable evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it breaks out into curses against those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Can you pick olives from a fig tree or figs from a grapevine? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty pool. If you are wise and understand God's ways... Live a life of steady goodness, so that only good deeds will pour forth. And if you don't brag about the good you do, then you will be truly wise. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your hearts, don't brag about being wise. That is the worst kind of lie. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and motivated by the devil. For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition... There you will find disorder and every kind of evil. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. 
It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and good deeds. It shows no partiality and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. James 4. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Isn't it the whole army of evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous for what others have, and you can't possess it, so you fight and quarrel to take it away from them. And yet the reason you don't have what you want is that you don't ask God for it. And even when you do ask, you don't get it because your whole motive is wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. You adulterers! Don't you realize that friendship with this world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, that if your aim is to enjoy this world, you can't be a friend of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the Holy Spirit, whom God has placed within us, jealously longs for us to be faithful? He gives us more and more strength to stand against such evil desires. As the scriptures say, God sets himself against the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw close to God, and God will draw close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you hypocrites. Let there be tears for the wrong things you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter, and gloom instead of joy. When you bow down before the Lord and admit your dependence on Him, He will lift you up and give you honor. Don't speak evil against each other, my dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize each other and condemn each other, then you are criticizing and condemning God's law. But you are not a judge who can decide whether the law is right or wrong. Your job is to obey it. God alone who made the law can rightly judge among us. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to condemn your neighbor? Look here, you people who say, Today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and will stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what will happen tomorrow? For your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, If the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise you will be boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. This is the Bible Lie with Soapy Dollar. James 5 Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver have become worthless. The very wealth you were counting on will eat away your flesh in hell. This treasure you have accumulated will stand as evidence against you on the day of judgment. For listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The wages you held back cry out against you. The cries of the reapers have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every whim. Now your hearts are nice and fat, ready for the slaughter. You have condemned and killed good people who had no power to defend themselves against you. Dear brothers and sisters, you must be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who eagerly look for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They patiently wait for the precious harvest to ripen. 
You too must be patient, and take courage, for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, my brothers and sisters, or God will judge you. For look, the great judge is coming. He is standing at the door. For examples of patience in suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. Job is an example of a man who endured patiently. From his experience, we see how the Lord's plan finally ended in good, for he is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no, so that you will not sin and be condemned for it. Are any among you suffering? They should keep on praying about it. And those who have reason to be thankful should continually sing praises to the Lord. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And their prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make them well. And anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for the next three and a half years. Then he prayed for rain, and down it poured. The grass turned green, and the crops began to grow again. My dear brothers and sisters, if anyone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back again, you can be sure that the one who brings that person back will save that sinner from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. End of reading, James 1, 1 through 5.20. Yes, indeed, that's the heart of the matter, isn't it? That's the white-hot core of the Christian message. One word, one name, Jesus. He has completed it. He has fulfilled all of the predictions and prophecies of the Old Testament to demonstrate to us, for us to be able to trust that he is the one. Then he has faithfully carried out the work of redemption on our behalf. He did it. He walked out the perfect life of faith and obedience to the Father. He humbled himself to become like us. The infinite became finite. The strong became weak and vulnerable on our behalf. The independent became dependent. He became a man, and he walked out the perfect life of humanity. From the time he was a tiny little egg on the wall of his mother's womb till the time he took that last breath on the Roman cross, he walked in perfect faith and obedience to the Father. And that's all we can do. That's what we are called to do. He resisted all the temptations, the full hurricane strength of Satan's attacks on him. You and I, we resist temptation up to maybe, let's say, a 4.5 on the temptation Richter scale. And then we stumble and fall and we have to be strengthened and grow strong to resist five and six and seven. But Jesus resisted every attack of the enemy, every temptation that Satan could throw at him. He resisted it all the way to a 10, to the maximum. Everything that Satan could throw at him, every temptation, every pressure that could be exerted, and he never fell. He never gave in to that temptation. He carried out that perfect life of faith in the Father. That was the objective. That was the challenge that Jesus had as the Messiah. 
whether he was God or not is not the most important argument. If Jesus was God, he was God, and there's nothing that could be done about it, nothing you can do about it, nothing I can do about it, nothing your denial of it could do about it, or nothing my affirming of it can do about it. If Jesus is God, he's God, and that's all there is to it. If he's God, he always was God, he always is God, and he always will be God. The real question, though, is God becoming a man and him carrying out and walking out the perfect life of a human being. That was the task. That was what was at stake. He didn't need to prove he was God to anybody. What he had to do was come and walk out the perfect life of dependence, obedience to the Father. And he did that on our behalf. With nothing to lose for himself, he stayed in the yoke of faith on our behalf. That's one of the things James is getting to here is that we now are called upon as God's people, reborn, regenerated, new people in Christ. It is our job to walk out that life of faith as well. With his power at work within us, his life flowing through our spiritual veins, the life of Christ now living through us, that is our role, to trust God and obey him and let the life of his son Christ live and walk through us. Very powerful statement here about genuine faith. Faith that works. James offers in this epistle a large number of similarities to the Sermon on the Mount. Fact is, there are more similarities to the Sermon on the Mount than any other book in the New Testament. James relies heavily on Jesus' teachings. He was his half-brother. He heard his teachings. He heard them firsthand, and he knew them as few did. He lived with them. They grew up together. He observed this man. If your family who sees you every day If they see and understand and believe, that says an awful, awful lot. It really does. Uh, Now, James talks about the problem of the tongue. He talks about wisdom. One of the great themes of his book is genuine wisdom, but also genuine faith. And he talks about it in the context of relationships. There is no room for favoritism, for prejudice, racial prejudice, socioeconomic prejudice, denominational, religious prejudice. There's no room for any of that in the family of God. Well, it isn't every evening that we get to hear an entire book of the Bible all in one sitting. Most of the books are a little too long for that, but the book of James was perfect for our reading tonight. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he emphasizes faith in action. Right living, he says, is the evidence of faith. It's the result of faith. Obedience in and of itself is legalism. But obedience that is motivated by an expression of faith and trust in God, that is what God is looking for. Faith obedience. The church must serve with compassion, speaking lovingly and truthfully. We must live in obedience to God's commands and love one another. The body of believers ought to be an example of heaven on earth, drawing people to Christ through love for God and for each other. If we truly believe God's word, we will live it day by day. God's Word is not merely something we read or think about, but something we do. See you next time. Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America. And your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. 
Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.